0: Welcome to Battleground, Wisconsin. This is Robert Craig, Executive Director of Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And our usual host, Deputy Director Matt Bruschi, uh, is out today. His uh, his wife has surgery, so he is with her. And uh, also Rebecca Lynch, our normal panelist from Wisconsin Working Families Party, is not available today. But to make up for that, we have two guests, uh, progressive champions from the legislature. We have Senator Chris Larson. Hey, How's it going? <laughs> Who's, uh, who has been on the show before and is a strong ally of CISN Action Wisconsin, all progressives in the state of Wisconsin, the former minority leader, maybe the future majority leader one day because he's young. We'll see. Well, that's a hell of
1: an intro. And a co-op, and a co-op member. <laughs> yes,
0: and, a, and, a, and, a, and an organizing co-op member. And we have Representative Evan Goike, who really has made a mark for himself in, uh, in his career already. He's still a, a very young guy in, uh, in criminal justice issues because he started as a public defender. And so he's going to help us navigate some treacherous waters that we're going to go through. Devin, thanks for joining us, Representative. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And so we are going to have, we are going to get to elections. We'll talk about the most exciting topic of the week, the uh, special congressional race in in suburban Pittsburgh in the deep red areas out in Western Pennsylvania. We'll also talk to Judge Rebecca Dallet, uh, who is running for uh, state Supreme Court about her race against the latest uh, right-wing drone that the right-wing infrastructure has put up to put on the Supreme Court and just vote as instructed. But before we get there, we really want to treat this show as our special show on the end of yet another horrendous legislative session yeah. where we've had a winning streak since 2011 of some of the worst legislative sessions in Wisconsin history. Mm-hmm. Remember, the, there was a blue book story, maybe two blue books ago from uh, historian John Bunker about, I think, the 1913-15 legislature being the best in Wisconsin history. Well, now oh, we'd yeah. have to figure out which one of these is the worst. That's right. And I remember it came out with Walker. Uh, was first elected because they were upset about it and wanted it removed from the blue book, and some of them were using their razors because had to, to pull it, it out, out yeah. of the blue book. Yeah, There's a
1: few of them who are... I mean, this happens all the time, but it, more than any that time around, they said we should just get rid of the blue books completely. Not having right. it's around anymore. That's
0: fine. Right. that's the big, heavy book that your legislator will give to you that tells you everything about Wisconsin politics and has a bunch of historical yeah. stuff in it as well. Uh, but... At the end of the session, there's even more chance for mischief or the devil's work, uh, to use the metaphor. So we're going to delve into some of that, and it's also going to be somewhat scenario-based because we they, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. So And they may not know the implications of what they do. They know not what they do, so to speak. So we want to start with the criminal justice area. We're literally, uh, Representative goiki there's this 11th-hour push to do the opposite of what almost everyone's saying in this country, even Republicans in other states. That is, they want to increase the number of people who are in prison and force the building of a brand-new prison when we already spend much more on prisons than we do on the UW system, and we actually need to decarcerate and end mass incarceration. So I, it all seems to be a—it constantly gets amended. So I know you're on top of it, but it's all— it's within this Senate Bill 54 rubric, as I understand it.
2: Yeah, so this this bill, Senate Bill 54, and and its amendments in the Assembly, pre- present uh, what could be the most damaging criminal justice bill that the legislature has passed in my time in office, Mm. it is estimated to add uh, about 600 new inmates per year. Uh, The uh, Assembly added an amendment to spend $350 million—I shouldn't say spend, borrow— 350 million dollars so it's really more than 350 borrow Borrow, then spend (laughs) uh, to build a new prison for for adult men and we would really be one of the only states in america expanding uh prison populations and building new on top of the one time uh the the borrowing we have an ongoing cost of about 55 million dollars a year uh and and it is totally unnecessary this bill is not connected to a crime reduction or a sound or evidence-based crime reduction strategy. It's far more punitive, uh, and, and it is not evidence-based. It is not best practice. It is not what Republicans in Texas are doing or Democrats in California are doing. Uh, they're they're doing maybe a 180 degree opposite uh, of this policy, and so and it may
0: be it may be related though to Senator Vuk-Mir, State Senator Vukmir wanting to be U.S. Senator Vukmir.
2: This is a political piece of legislation. Yeah. It's being um, on a different talk show. There's a different <laughs> angle being pushed <laughs> uh, on conservative talk radio in Milwaukee's media market, saying that this bill is needed, and they're wrong, and Senator Vukmir is wrong, and she really ought to pay attention to what. Uh, conservative thinkers are doing around the country and what liberal thinkers are doing, they're coming together. Uh, the Koch brothers in the ACLU, Rand Paul and Cory Booker, uh, and we got Leah Vukmir uh, in, in, in this Senate Bill 54. Um, we fought it in the assembly. We, we made several amendments to to the bill. Um, but we were not able to to really fix the problems of the bill or fix the costs of and the bill.
0: And one of the core things is around revocations, and a revocation is when someone is on parole, so they're not in prison anymore, but they're under supervision, and when a, a revocation sends them back to jail because something because for, for a rules violation, and it's very discretionary right now, and, and that's controversial as well with parole officers. This is like mandatory minimums, though, for sentencing in general. It says essentially if anyone's accused of a certain long list of crimes, right, just accused, not convicted, Correct. no due mm-hmm. process, then they're thrown back in jail. So it doesn't allow the parole officer anymore or anyone else involved in the system to, 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 to use discretion to decide actually this person is still safe to be out of prison. It just forces them all, which is exactly how we got mass incarceration in the first place, is this sweeping kind of stuff that doesn't allow judges or anyone else to decide who should be in prison for how long and to, to protect public safety.
2: That's absolutely right. And once once returned to prison, the system already fails to have discretion on uh, releasing, should they be rehabilitated early. Uh, you know, for, for the civil, civil libertarians that are listening, they should be very, very nervous about this bill. Uh, sending someone back to prison on a finding of probable cause, an accusation, uh, is, is as low of a threshold as we have in our justice system. And it, it ought to be uh, higher. We, we should demand more concrete evidence, like a conviction, a criminal conviction, rather than a criminal charge, uh, to be the foundation of that decision. I, I, you know, I, I worked in criminal courts. I can tell you that a number of clients that I had were charged with a crime that they didn't do or charged with the wrong crime or that the evidence uh, a month later, two months later... Uh, pointed to different people or a different severity of crime. This bill takes that uh, discretion away and says we have to initiate revocation. We have to send them back to prison if charged. And it's that's a that is a major major problem. And
0: scenarios like this, I've learned this from David Liners, the head of Wisdom, who they also have Expo, uh, which does which is Prisoner Organizing Project. Uh, that it's well known revocations are well understood. So if someone has a grievance or a gripe against someone. And there's a crime that's in committed, They're saying, "Oh, I saw Ron there," and that might not. Ron might have. And you find out later, even though Ron is charged, that Ron was nowhere near there. So, but he's going to be put back in jail with no process
2: uh, under this bill. Correct. And when the when the Department of Corrections starts this process, you're in jail. You can't get out. There's no such thing as bail on a revocation. So you're in. Uh, largely that means you're held at a prison in downtown Milwaukee called the Milwaukee Secure Detention Facility, which is one of America's worst prisons. There's no contact visits, no recreational space. It, it, it's, it's almost like everybody's in solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then, you know the, the, like I mentioned earlier, the standard of proof is so low that uh, at currently 92% of people uh, that face revocation do get revoked and do get sent back to prison. And just, just to put this in perspective for listeners, there are 66,000 people on uh, probation parole in, in Wisconsin. This applies to all of those people, whether they committed a serious crime or had two grams of marijuana in their pocket. This new rule would apply to all of them. And so that's where we get this incredible uh, addition or expansion of our prison population. And let me, let me just end by saying there's money in the bill to borrow to build one prison. But the estimates, should this bill pass, are that we would really need to build another prison within two or three years. So don't just think of this as $350 million borrowed today and that's it. We're going to have to face that problem again in two years or three years.
1: And this doesn't solve a greater problem, right? Are, this, right. Is, this is, because there's some, I'm sure, on that in the alternate universe where they're talking on their, their own podcast, their own radio, uh, they're saying, ah, right. oh, this is going to keep us, keep us safer, lock them up, right? Uh, law and order. But the fact is, this is... You know, the department is called Department of Corrections. You're supposed to be correcting uh, people and sending them back into society better. And we're spending a heck of a lot of money. We're investing a lot of money in these individuals. Mm-hmm. And if they're not coming out better, being able to get jobs with uh, job training, with uh, better life skills, then we're, we're wasting that money. And it, it's, it's clear from the other scandals and things that are coming out um, in the Department of Corrections, that they're that under Walker and his administration, they are not correcting, they're not helping, they are not making things better for our society. So instead, we are going the other way. And in, in a way, as bad as this is, it's a natural conclusion of all the bad things that they're doing in corrections in our state. And
0: I don't know if you can say this much for this for the record. I understand from people off the record that the Department of Corrections walkers department of corrections is not even for this it's so
2: bad they are not for it now you can't find that anywhere in right. writing but i can tell you in my private conversations <laughs> in the halls of the capitol they are terrified that this bill will pass
0: which is stunning so this is complete.
2: That's saying something that's saying something
0: and so the ethical piece in this is this is politicians that then grandstanding Just for their own political gain and like damaging lives and tearing apart the social fabric because you're pulling people away from their families and their loved ones and from their their jobs, etc., right? Separating people from their children. That's right.
1: right. And and even if they are living their lives and there's a revocation, that's it. You know, okay, if you got a job, if you have a steady life, and all of a sudden this is revoked, and as, as Representative Goyke pointed out, that's it. You're back in, you know. So being able to to, to live a life of a uh, uh, full life again, it's it's pulled back by the state.
0: So we got uh, to go to break. We'll be right back with more about the next legislative session on Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to Battleground Wisconsin. This is Robert Craig, Executive Director of Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And uh, our normal host and, uh, and panelists are, are not here today, but we have uh, State Senator Chris Larson and Representative Evan Goyke joining us. And we've been talking about uh, the end of the legislative session, another horrendous legislative uh, session for social justice, human rights, you name it, right? The direction of the state. And we were talking about, uh, this bill that's not got enough attention, which actually is going to dramatically increase the number of people who are in prison in Wisconsin, go the opposite direction. Uh, about 600 people is even opposed uh, unofficially by, the Depart- by Walker's own Department of Corrections and is moved by one of Tammy Baldwin's potential opponents, uh, State Senator Leah Vukmir, just for political purposes. Mm-hmm. So we have that situation, but then we have the whole Lincoln Hills football. So Evan or Chris, do you want to give us a little – very brief, I think the listeners know, what happened at Lincoln Hills and and what's on the table and how at the end of the session they're trying to undo something that it seemed like a – as close to bipartisan as we get in these days. Yeah. Before, yeah.
1: before we start the conversation, I yeah. just want to make sure it's not these yeah. things are not done, right? right. There is the Senate, yes. uh, the Sen- the assembly is is done and, and gone home and they may come back. But the Senate that we're in on Tuesday. And so the idea that this is written in stone is not clear. And so we still get calls. So people can call their representatives on, and on all of these complain about
2: these. all of these. Yeah. That's right. Please please engage and, and call uh, in regards to Lincoln Hills, uh, you know Senator Larson and I actually co-authored together a bill three or four years ago now to, to initiate and study and implement uh, the plan, a part of the plan or the design of the plan that the governor uh, endorsed in January of this year. Uh, when, when the governor uh, stepped up to the plate and uh, decided that he was ready to act and follow Democrats' leads, uh, on this issue, a bipartisan group of legislators, including myself and a number of other Milwaukee uh, Democrats, uh, got to the table and, and crafted a bill uh, that passed the state assembly 95 to zero, had the support uh, of, of the state agencies and the important players like the counties uh, because they have a, a critical role in this. Protected the unionized workers. Protected right? the workers uh, within DOC, uh, uh, came up with a solution to adult overcrowding by repurposing the facility and designing it as a treatment facility. Uh, we have a huge need for that. And then uh, things have started to, uh, you, you mentioned, Robert, you, you said this was a football and that's very much what it feels like. Uh, the the good policy work that we did to come up with a with a really good bill has been uh, thrown by the wayside in an in a, in a inter-party bickering between leadership in the Assembly and the Senate. And, and what I will say is, as, as Senator Larson just said, we're not done yet. Uh, and what I'm really looking for, uh, you know, the, the governor has said publicly that he supports the bill. What I'm looking for him to do now privately is call all of the Republican state senators and get them to the table and really lead it's not enough to tweet or to post or to say to a reporter mm-hmm. that you support something. That's the easiest part of my job. The hard part is building the coalition and the political will to actually make change. And this is on him now. What do you think they're up to? Any speculations? Well, the bill, the Senate has changed the bill. And made it essentially a study of the issue, mm-hmm. and I would argue we need no more studying. We need action. There's there's not a a, a lot of debate nationally about how to better your juvenile justice system. The the majority of states are doing things like uh, the bill that we've written. I mean we're we're following the evidence. Uh, this is all interpersonal, and and mm-hmm. you know fortunately or unfortunately I am not. Uh, Welcome in the closed door meetings and in between Republican leadership. But whatever it is, whatever personal garbage that's holding up this bill uh, is 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 it's so juvenile, should I say, or parochial to prevent meaningful, quality, bipartisan legislation going forward because they're mad at each other. And, and that's, that's why I think it's the governor's turn to act. That's, that's what a leader does. That's what, the, that's what the state CEO does, is come in and break these arguments and, and, and these log jams and get something done.
1: Yeah. I remember when this was initially passed the Assembly, and I uh, went over to Representative Goike and said, okay, what can we do to make sure this passes in the Senate? And uh, it, it's, it's, you know he said, look, this is the governor's priority. That should be enough. That should be it. This should slide through. And the, this is the, you know, if the governor's going to try and back away from it now and say, oh gosh, it'd be nice if they did this, um, you know, and, and kind of voicing support, he should have been putting hands on shoulders and pushing this stuff through if this was an actual priority. And right. what's happening now is it, it's, you know, this is, Uh, not a choice between two different options at this point. This is, there's all the work that's been done. All the people have been at the table, people who have read the news, been sick of the reports of our youth being uh, tortured and uh, uh, not nothing done about it and saying, we're going to, we're going to fix this. We're going to bring them closer to home. We're going to do what works and getting the buy-in. And then on the other side, they're saying, well, we, we didn't feel like we, we want to be a part of that. And so we're going to kill it by amending it. And And that's the options is either the, the, We start solving it now, we get something done, or we walk away and let it continue. Let those disasters continue to happen for another two years.
0: My speculation is part of this is that when you have majority too long, people just become arrogant, it becomes personal. So suddenly their desires uh, become more important than, say, the safety of, of kids, right, in this case. And the other thing that happens is it's probably not Governor Walker's top priority. I think both of you have implied that. Trying to get this last-minute check in everyone's mailbox before he's reelected is probably a much higher priority, and we're going to get to that being potentially in trouble. But right. staying kind of on a theme, we should talk about what happened this week with thousands of high school students in wisconsin uh, engaging in their own democracy doing uh do, you know trying to revive the democracy that conservatives have trashed so much in this state and they're simply asking for the right to be safe in their schools and so and now we have dueling positions between the democrats and republicans on school safety walker has not even come out with his school safety position but I assume that'll be a high priority to ram through whatever that is as well, other than it might relate to having security guards. We know that he doesn't agree with the attorney general about arming teachers, which is, so he's not completely flying monkey crazy like the president is on that. But uh, nonetheless, so what is both of your sense of what's happening with young people being involved in our democracy and where the, this – this gun safety issue goes.
1: Right. So there's the, um, this is, I was at the Capitol yesterday and we ended up uh, seeing some of the students who walked there from different high schools uh, in the area. And the total ended up being over 5,000 students, right? And what was interesting is walking through the crowd and uh, seeing senators out there, representatives out there to greet them um, but more than anything just being there to listen to uh, these young people, many of them who can't vote and are just stepping now into understanding how the political process works uh, but finding their voice and this is this is the pathway to politics for them. This is going to be something that makes them realize how important it is to be involved, to have their voice heard and when they can vote to vote and even now where they can't vote because it's uh they're too young uh, to make sure that their parents know that this is an important issue and this is a voting issue. Um, but you know what? It's not just them. I, my, uh, my my, mom, who is not very political, uh, called me after um, one of the recent shootings. I don't even remember which one it was, but she said, this is BS. I need to know who my representative is to get a hold of them because this is all about money. This is about money and it's not about keeping our kids safe and I'm sick of it. And so uh, people are, are feeling that and... Uh, I think that they're going to start pushing back. If, if Either they're going to listen to these kids, they're going to start getting stuff done uh, to protect them, or they're going to be gone.
0: So they do something on school safety, but probably not something very profound because they're terrified of the NRA, right? right. Well, that- well,
1: Representative Goike, they I think he should speak on this about the four hours of debate that they got him tied up in about um, uh, background checks. We have a bill that we put forward, a collection of bills on uh, keeping our kids safe, um, and you know we're trying to keep it. We're trying to keep it good. But the are uh, trying to keep it something that they would actually vote for. But the fact is, if we're not talking about universal background checks, if we are not um, doing the common sense things to make sure that the wrong people aren't getting these guns, uh, we're going to continue to have these problems.
2: Yeah, I think, I think I'd just add that at, at the end of the day, if, if the proposals don't include... A meaningful policy to, as Senator Larson was just saying, to keep incredibly lethal machines out of the hands of incredibly lethal people, we're not going to see any change. You know, I'm not confident that an armed school officer in every single school is really going to do what we think it might do or what the proponents are going to promise that it would do. I, I certainly don't think it would have as much of an effect of, of of reducing school shootings as reducing the number of highly lethal you know machines machine guns high cap uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, clips, bump stocks all of these pieces of of man made technology that make it easier for individuals to do harm uh, if we're not going to include that in our conversation then then we really have to examine the value of the conversation in, in the first place and uh, certainly that's not, you, you know, 5,000 students yesterday was very powerful in Madison. And I want to say thank you to all the students that came out yeah. and, and, and acted and all the parents and teachers and school administrators that supported them. They didn't ask for an armed police officer at their front door. That's not what they're asking for. They're asking right. for help in keeping highly lethal machines out of the hands of highly lethal people. It'd be people. nice if they asked them, but that's not that's what right. they're going to
0: do. Right. That's right. Uh, so the first is to make the demand. Now you keep going. But we're going to talk after the break about maybe Governor Walker's bribe to the voters being in trouble. Mm-hmm. And remember, later in the show, we still have Judge, Judge, Judge Rebecca Dallet, uh, the only independent candidate for state Supreme Court on. So back after this break on Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back. To Battleground Wisconsin. This is Robert Craig, Executive Director of Citizen Action of Wisconsin, and I'm joined by special guests, Senator Chris Larson and Representative Evan Goike. So, we've been talking about the uh, merciful but also scary end of the legislative session as the Republicans try to jam more in this election year, and it is important to see it as an election year. And understand this in the context of being an extremely scary election year uh, because with the Trump backlash and the resistance for Governor Walker and for all of the Republican legislators who are up for re-election. Uh, you have the redistricting lawsuit still out there, so their gerrymandered maps could be overturned and they could actually run in fair districts. And you have this blue wave. And so in Pennsylvania, we just had an extremely conservative uh, district, one that was The liberal part was suburban, like uh, Pittsburgh, kind of like your wow counties in in Wisconsin, right? Mm -hmm. Followed by these really deep red rural areas that are deindustrialized and are full of Trump voters that Trump won by 20 points, which just elected a Democrat uh, by a very close uh, margin. And so and health care was one of the if not was probably the top issue in this race and then rejection of their of the Trump tax cuts where they tried to run on it, and then they stopped running on it and pulled the ads because it wasn't working. <laughs> so this is, this is going to shape what happens in this, let's say, session, uh, because they are, they've got to be really worried. If you had a 20-point wave, and we're not to November, we have to keep this going, right? If you had a 20-point wave, you could get, get majorities in both houses in the gerrymandered districts. Isn't that right?
1: Uh, we should. I mean, we should. Yeah. There are six seats that are up in the state Senate this cycle that have that are better on the numbers uh, in terms of Democratic performance than the district that was won in the special earlier this year, SD10. So that's six seats. So we should come back with 20 Democrats in the state Senate if things continue, if the momentum continues, if we keep it going, if right. We keep it going right? And I'm not sure what the numbers are in the Assembly, but it, it's, it's clear that people are fed up. They've had eight years of nothing but a menu of bad part politics by Governor Walker and his uh, legislative rubber stamps where they've moved forward with uh, frankly the largest spending in the history of the state of Wisconsin. We're spending more than we ever have but it's not on schools. It's not on the things we care about. It's not on preserving our environment. It's not on expanding Wisconsin's culture and the things we think of. It's about giving money away to the richest. It's about the agriculture manufacturing tax credit which continues to uh, explode. It's about mm-hmm. uh, borrowing tons of money for our for uh, Uh, huge road projects that aren't finished and
0: the Foxconn explosion
1: sucking sound right right exactly (laughs) and like and it's it's ramped up because as you think like oh gosh they've got to be winding down now you get the Foxconn which is the largest corporate giveaway in the history of the state of Wisconsin in in the history of the country right and uh we then that's not enough because other companies are like oh shoot if you're giving away money I'll I'll line up right uh, so you've got Kimberly Clark looking to to, to get in on that, and I'm sure well, you're they're going to hold, see every. They're kind of
0: dangling it out. They're not sure they even want want the bribe. Right. right?
1: Well, they already got that. They already got a big payout from Trump, and they're right. using that to do stack buybacks and to pay off their executives. So they're they're not they're not hungry for cash. Uh, but these guys, it's like a it's like Walker's holding a going out of business sale for the state of Wisconsin, right? And just everything giving must away, go exactly fire <laughs> sale. Uh, and he's just throw he's giving it away, and I think they they're assuming like oh shoot we we got to give something to the voters so they're 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 giving a little pocket change to the side uh to 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 with the child Child tax Maybe credit. Maybe they'll
0: they're calling sell it. the UW system and the prison system. Going right. Your theme, right. But before the end of the session.
1: But I think people are smart enough to realize, okay, the the largest corporate giveaway in the history of the country. It's going to cost us for decades to come. Uh, they're getting that, and you're you're expecting me to vote for you because you're giving me a little pocket change at the end of it. Like the discrepancy is clear. of Who, remember, who Walker's siding with? And by the way, we can't afford. We can't afford this. We can't afford to continue. President to do this.
0: Obama was so worried about. Uh, the how fragile the economy was when he took over. That he made his, ta- his 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 stimulus tax cut invisible. It just went into your payroll tax. And this goes back to old school. Tommy Thompson used to pull this sort of stuff. This is going to be a check from Scott Walker just as absentee as, as early voting starts, right, Representative going Yeah, that's
2: it, 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 it. When it was announced, uh, it was announced uh, in his State of the State that he'd like it delivered to families uh, as the school year starts as a way of of, of <laughs> Uh, covering what he also means is, as absentee ballots hit your front door, as, as the election <laughs> really ramps up. And, um, uh, but look, I wanna share a view from my caucus and from the halls of the Capitol. So I have two points that I wanna share. One is, when I talk to my Republican colleagues, they are terrified. I mean, the, in, in the special election uh, that we had earlier this year, that was, uh, that was scary to them, the, the results in the northwest corner of the state. Uh, and you know, it scared the governor. Obviously, he tweeted all day the next day about waking up and making wake-up calls. And, and then he came out uh, with that horrendously malicious welfare, w- welfare bill welfare right away. Reform, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. And 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 what you've seen is um, a scramble to do. Uh, this is you know, this is a yard sale. They're trying whatever they can do, and it is not ideological, dri- uh, ideologically driven. It's not sound public policy. This is everything must go we'll throw everything at the wall and hope some stick. Uh, we hope 50.1% sticks, right? right? We're,
0: we're for everything we were against. So Correct. Now it's for stabilizing the Affordable Care Act, never mind seven years of sabotage, right? Correct,
2: <laughs> and we can't borrow, but we but now we will for a new prison, and we can't spend, but we'll do it for uh, uh, this child tax uh, giveaway. And, and, and I, I'll just say, um, my colleagues on the Republican side are terrified. You're going to see... Uh, my, my gut tells me you're going to see, like you see in Congress, an abnormally high number of incumbents retire or not seek reelection or trying to find other jobs uh, elsewhere. And then the the second thing that I wanted to mm-hmm. share is the energy that I feel in my caucus. And at least I, I can't speak for the Senate Dems, but in the Assembly, I mean, we are excited. I, I'm mm-hmm. seeing engagement from members and staff, the energy, the hope to get out there. I mean. We're going to—we we are working—our goal is to field 99 candidates. We're yes. going to have—our goal is to have a candidate in every single district. And I can tell you it's it's mid-March, so, so we've got some work to do, but we're way ahead of where we thought we'd be. We've got— Candidates in just about every targeted seat around the state and and we're talking about dozens of seats I think we have it's great. ten or 12 yeah. citizen action members running. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you Thank yeah. you Robert yeah. for your for your help <laughs> and and the listeners for stepping up to the call and and running for office and And, um, and look so so from my from my seat in the in the assembly It's it's going to be an exciting summer and and it's in part because of the energy we feel here in Wisconsin not just nationally, but the organic evolving that revolution that's out there is is really being felt uh, in the halls of the Capitol by the members of the Assembly Dems. Yeah, people are
1: paying attention. People, we just did a, a, a Dem team training, Democratic um, uh, training for elections in action in Milwaukee this past weekend, and there's a lot of people who were not involved in politics before. They see what's happening at the state. They see what's happening nationally, and they want to be involved, right? Whether that be as a uh, somebody to knock doors for a good candidate or to be that candidate themselves, and I think you're seeing that in the, the the boost in turnout up in SD10, uh, you see it in this uh, the special election in Pennsylvania, and you're seeing it across the state. And I think they, the the Republicans are starting to realize this, but more importantly, those in the middle are starting to realize uh, that Walker and the Republicans don't have a cohesive economic development strategy. Right? They don't have a grand plan on what they're supposed to be doing with our state and the direction that it's going. So you have these piecemeal approaches uh, that are bought and paid for by uh, special interest. Groups, but they don't—they don't, they don't uh, all come together as a uh, cohesive plan, and that's no, no no clearer now than the the patchwork of things they're trying to throw out there at the last set, at the at the end of the session. Uh, but for us, I think it's important not just to get out there and run against that, but to right. run Absolutely. for things. Right? What is our economic development plan?
0: Um, what make- is our thing as big as Foxconn that actually would work and actually? Create prosperity across the state, right?
1: Right, right, and and we have a, a candidates need to be developing
0: that. Make sure that's out
1: there, and uh, we're
0: pushing them too. Particularly the governor's candidates at that Citizen Action,
1: right? And, and it's, we it,
0: do have another, I should say, a plug. We have our next governor's forum in Wausau Saturday um, at nine thirty a.m. at the uh, at the uh, at the labor at the Wausau Labor Temple. Nice, so people should come out and see the candidate. They'll be tested on the citizen action platform and we are trying to drive them to a bold agenda. They have other incentives. I know you and Evan and others are telling them too but we're also having members tell Good. them too.
1: Good. Yeah. And I mean it, the baseline of it is should be on uh, restoring the funds that have been cut to our K-12 education. Right. That is the foundation that our state is built on. And, and we haven't. More, t- yeah. Right. It
0: wasn't perfect in the, in the aughts. Right? right. That wasn't the perfect education system. Right. But going,
1: yeah, but going back to it and then uh, expanding it. So saying okay yeah, K-12 is guaranteed by the state. Maybe we want to start earlier, pre-K, right? Maybe we want and to make sure later. that- Right, exactly. Right. And, and I think that's the foundation that we need to demand, that we need to be pushing as a party. Um, healthcare affordability is just mm-hmm. ballooned. And you, you've you done more than anybody, the, the comparisons of just our neighboring states of how we are getting-
0: And, and we pushed with your colleague, Ripset Goike, and, and, and Senator Latanya Johnson, a care public option bill- Eight of the nine leading Democrat candidates are for it right now. But I have a speculation. See if you get your thoughts, you know, when the Republicans had a big majority in Congress and lost it right running into 2008, it was partly because their their right wing ideology has a problem governing. And they end up doing a lot of things, actually making all sorts of different uh, changes and compromises that don't look like the radical jihadists were drowning government in a bathtub anymore. And you were Mm -hmm. talking about the incoherence of of the things they're throwing out there. That's sort of the seeds of their demise. They're not they're much better as an opposition party promising something impossible, Mm -hmm. but but consistent than actually
2: trying to govern. Yeah, no, I think you're I think you're totally right. Uh, Speaker Ryan I think came out with some statements after uh, his candidate lost in Pennsylvania, and it was, "Oh, we got to get our message out there." Well, they don't have one. They don't have a cohesive message. I mean, it, it, they're in big trouble, and, in in part uh, to exactly what you just said, Robert. They don't have a plan. This is not governing. It's it's th- in Wisconsin, throwing everything to the wall yeah. and hoping uh, a thin majority sticks.
1: Yeah, we got to make sure they hear us, and that starts April third. April third, get out and vote.
0: Awesome. This has been a really. This has been great, and. We, we have a final segment with uh, Judge Rebecca Dallet uh, to talk about the really important Supreme Court race we cannot lose track of. So we'll be right back with Judge Rebecca Dallet uh, on Battleground, Wisconsin. Welcome back to Battleground, Wisconsin. This is Robert Craig, Executive Director of Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And uh, we are joined, as we were in the previous segments, by two special guests Senator Chris Larson and Representative Evan Goike. And uh, in this segment, we are also honored to have on the line Judge Rebecca Dallet, who came through very strongly in the primary and is uh, running for in the state Supreme Court race against uh, Michael Skronik. Judge Dallet, thank you very much for joining us.
3: Good morning. Thanks for having me, Robert.
0: So I know our listeners know about your campaign. You ran an extremely effective primary campaign and obviously have a long record as as a judge. But why don't you talk a little bit about Not only where you are, but how you differ from your opponent, because we're down to a two-person race right now.
3: Sure. Well, I differ from my opponent both in experience and in values, and those are the things that I'm bringing to this race. Um, First, in experience, I have been in our courts working hard for the people of our state for more than 20 years. I was a prosecutor for 11 of those years, and I've been a judge for almost 10 really Hearing the issues that our citizens in our state face every day, both in civil and criminal court, and how those impact them. And I have a real deep understanding of all of that based on my experience. And I bring to the bench the values that we all care about. I care about clean air and water. I care about good, strong public schools. I care about working people, women's rights, um, the things that make our state great. My opponent is someone who worked on Act 10, Worked on gerrymandering, at least defended gerrymandering, and then was appointed to the bench a short time ago, about two years, two or three years ago, uh, by our governor. And he is running a race where he is backed by the NRA, where he is funded by the Republican Party, the NRA, and the Wisconsin Manufacturer and Commerce. Uh, really, almost a million dollars poured into his campaign in the primary to uh, fund him. And his, he also, in terms of some of the positions that he's held, he blocked access to women's health care, um, including abortion services. He did that twice um, and was arrested. And when arrested, did not, was not forthcoming with his name. Um, so we, we know where he stands on issues. We know where his values are. They aren't the values we share. And his lack of experience as well as, is, a, is an issue.
0: And, Judge, he's an extremely partisan candidate as well. I mean, at least, uh, you know, the right-wing infrastructure used to pretend that candidates were independent of parties. But it looks like in the primary, the Republican Party was just directly running his campaign for the most part. Is is that correct?
3: Yes. So his staff, I think that one Wisconsin Now article stated that every person in his staff is someone that's directly related to either Governor Walker's campaign and staff or the Koch brothers he is funded by the Republican Party openly they reported about I believe it was about $150,000 spent on the primary I know they're running billboard ads against me and those are funded by the Republican Party on his behalf Um, so yes I would say that it's it's very openly partisan on his behalf
0: and what concerns me is is that it seems like I mean there's been and this is well-documented a direct conspiracy really i'll use the word conspiracy by the chamber of commerce wmc in this state others to take over state courts uh with right-wing judges who will always side uh with large corporations against average people and you kind of saw that in john doe where in my opinion they the the, the conservative majority in the state supreme court they'd been elected and refuses to, by the way, recuse itself when its, its major funders, the people who run independent dark money campaigns for, for them are before them uh, in the court, literally nullified state campaign finance law in order to end the John Doe investigation. And I mean, I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are just on, I mean, the importance of having an independent judiciary that's not just a, you know, politicians in robes who will always side with, with large corporations or with right-wing politicians. Well, Robert, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. That's why I'm running. I announced
3: this campaign against Justice Gableman. He is the person where $2.25 million was spent on his race. And then that party appeared in front of him in the John Doe case that spent the money, and he refused to step off the case. We should also remember who wrote that recusal rule, and I'm going to put it in quotes because it really doesn't. Uh, it basically says the rule we have now says the judge should just do what they think is right. And he clearly didn't do what was right, which was step off the case. And so WMC, Wisconsin Manufacturing and Commerce, is the one that actually wrote that rule. So we do have a serious problem in our state where we have big money, special interests, spending money to elect justices, to buy a justice, and then really having an interest in a lot of those cases that come up in front of the court and those justices not stepping off the case, and then ruling in a way that benefits those special interests. I mean, it looks like the system's rigged.
0: You know, absolutely. And uh, let me open this up to either Senator Larson or Representative Goikey to see if they, if they have any questions for you, Judge. But I, I couldn't agree with you more on that point.
1: Uh, Hey, Rebecca, it's Chris Larson. How are you?
3: I'm good, Chris. I'm on my way to, I don't even know where, Madison, Wausau, (laughs) Rhinelander.
1: How is the the campaign trail treating you and the family?
3: You know what? It's going great. The energy in this state right now is phenomenal, Um, and people are really motivated, and I'm hoping that they really turn out on April 3rd to make a change in our state Supreme Court.
1: Yeah. So um, on the uh, the issue of uh, the Supreme Court ruled on coordination, and uh, they basically intervened, and Robert already alluded to this, on the John Doe and said we're the only state in the country now that coordination between uh, politicians and uh, outside groups is legal. And then, of course, the legislature followed up to to double down on that. Uh, Do you you have thoughts on uh, what the court did or where that legislation is?
3: Well, in the John Doe case, uh, the court shutting down that investigation—I mean, it's—it's it's unheard of, and frankly, it's un-American. I'm a, I, as a former prosecutor. That—that that was a decision to shut down an investigation that's—that's that's never been done, um, and it was a bipartisan, nonpartisan effort to have that coordination investigated. Now I know that then the legislature, as you said, has doubled down. Um it's it we are we have the most loose i believe I, I, I guess i shouldn't be quoted but i know we have one of the loosest um coordination laws in the country
1: that's right yeah no, you're, um, you're, people, you're right I can't believe it that, when
3: they hear how you can coordinate here I, i'm not coordinating with anyone um because i still find that very disturbing and um unsettling as it's, it's something to do but i i I know that it's permitted in a lot, in most, in almost all ways, it's permitted.
0: And what it means, just for our listeners, because I know our listeners are very in into these issues, but just in general for those on the radio, when you can coordinate with a dark money group that doesn't have to report its donors, it means there could be a handful of billionaires or large corporations funding a campaign, essentially, because you're directing what they do. You're saying, Oh, I need T V on this issue in Green Bay, I'm doing Madison and I need this and that and the other. That's what coordination is. Then essentially a, a candidate can be elected with completely secret money, mm-hmm. which was outlawed in the early twentieth century during the Progressive Era, as fundamentally corrupting. So just to be clear, coordination sounds like an abstraction. It's 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 about legalized bribery, quite frankly. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's
3: about transparency. Mm-hmm. And that's the part when there is money spent in an outside group, we don't know who's spending it, and there's no limits to the spending.
1: Right. And that's, I mean, that was part of the foundation of why uh, what Citizens United was, too, at the national level was they were saying they can spend unlimited um, on outside groups, but there can't be coordination. That was the thing. That's what those
0: right wing judges said, that other set of right wing judges. Then ours said, oh, you can coordinate because Governor Walker was. Looks to have been caught coordinating, right?
2: Judge, this is Representative Goyke. I just, I just have a more of a comment. Um, I have a bit of a unique take on this. Um, I appeared in front of you when you were, uh, when I was a brand new lawyer, and you were a circuit court judge. And, and what I wanted to mention is uh, how I judge people's characters is how they act and how they treat people when, when really, when nobody's looking. And so, on an average. A random morning in Milwaukee County when I walked into your courtroom, I always was treated fairly and and professionally, as were my clients, as were victims of crime. And so I just really wanted to take the opportunity to say thank you for doing the right thing, for treating people the right way that were in front of you when no one was looking. That was seven, eight years ago before maybe you were thinking of ever running, and uh, I know that you've never changed that approach and uh, look forward to you taking that onto the Supreme Court. I think that approach... Thank you. Thank you, Representative Well, you're you're welcome. And I I think for the the institution that is our Supreme Court and its credibility around the state, we need more people that approach the people in front of them, the cases in front of them, the way that you treated the cases that I handled in, in front of you. So I want to say thank you for that. Thank
0: you. So Supreme Court races are odd. They're not like governor's races, congressional races. And a lot of times people don't know how to get involved. So... Uh, Judge, what would you suggest to all our listeners that want to make sure that we actually have an an actual judge, not a politician in robes, uh, on the bench?
3: Yes. Thank you, Robert. So I would encourage everyone, number one, to go vote. And early voting is open. It depends on your municipality of what hours and what days. But people have already told me they voted for me. So I know that it's open And people should absolutely take that opportunity that we're given our right as a citizen to exercise our right to vote. And then you can go to my website, which is gallic for justice.com we can get involved with volunteering i have lit drops taking place all over the state i know this weekend um it's thrilling to see so many people step up and really want to help and participate we also have virtual phone banking going on where you can those calls from your home to encourage other people to vote and we're, there's postcard campaigns this is the kind of thing we need to do. We need to show that people power is greater than special interest money, and we need to take back our
0: court. Absolutely, and thank you for taking the time to join us. Uh, take care. Okay,
3: Okay. you too. And bye-bye, Senator Larson and Representative Goikey. Thank yeah,
0: you. That's it for this week's Battleground Wisconsin. We want to thank uh, Senator Chris Larson and Representative Evan Goikey for joining us, and also uh, Judge Rebecca Dallas for joining us and talking about this very important Supreme Court race. So we'll see you next week.